This is Belonging, a podcast that explores being alive in the age of loneliness. I'm your host, Becca Piastrelli, a writer, mother, and community tender currently living on the ancestral lands of the Coast Miwok people in present-day Marin County, California. In this show, we explore topics like rites of passage, cultivating meaningful community, seasonal and cyclical living, and what it means to be a good ancestor in these times. I have thought-provoking conversations with friends, teachers, elders, and ancestral medicine keepers to help support you in bringing more meaning and connection to your life. I also pop in here and there to share updates and learnings from my own story, because we were meant to do this together, cosmically holding hands as we walk the spiral of life. You can expect to be challenged by new or old ideas, face your beliefs and what systems informed them, get curious and brave to tell the truth about the deeper, harder things, and feel comforted in the knowing that you don't have to navigate it all alone. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the Belonging Podcast. It's Becca Piastrelli here. So happy to be with you today. I've got a solo episode for you today. It's just me here on the mic. And um, I know it's been a bit since I shared my voice. And I can tell from the download stats on the magical computer machines that those are actually... um, some of the most listened to and downloaded episodes. So I hear you that you want to hear from me. So I have something to say today and it has to do with the season we're in. And I know that these episodes are just like out there in the world, these beautiful transmissions and you, you come upon them when you come upon them. And I am rooting this transmission, this podcast in the season in which I'm recording it and publishing it, which here in the Northern Hemisphere, in October, many of our favorite months, because hashtag witch, because hashtag cozy, because hashtag sweaters and crunchy leaves, and magic afoot. It's a very special season. And that is autumn up here. And Autumn is many things to me, and it is probably many things to you. And I'm going to be speaking specifically about autumn being the season of ancestors. And I will explain in a minute why I frame it as that. And I just want to say many cultures feel a connection to their ancestors at many different times of year. And there are there's a good amount that feel it at this time of year. So I'm rooting into my ancestral lineage, which is of Northwestern Europe, and also feeling influenced by the ancestral cultures to the south of me with Dia de los Muertos and a real innate feeling of the veils being thin. I'll explain that in a moment too. And wanting to riff a bit on lineage, ancestors, ancestral connection, ancestor veneration. One, because I know a lot of you are curious. And two, because I think it can be a little bit misinterpreted or misunderstood. And I actually feel that this area of spiritual practice, this area of awareness and knowledge and honoring 
can be really, really important and powerful for us in our journeys, in our lifetimes on earth, in feeling a deeper sense of belonging and connection and uh, purpose to being here, literally being embodied alive in our bodies on this planet at this time. And I'm not getting super esoteric here. I'm talking very much rooted with like, okay, we're alive in bodies. And that is because millions of beings lived and millions of beings just lived however they lived. We can talk later about our judgments and our fears and our opinions about how they lived, but they lived. And because of that, you're here, you're alive. I'm alive and have a life. And then we get to choose to a certain extent how we live that life. So I know a lot of us feel this, this existential ache of being alive in the age of loneliness, something I talk about a lot, how we live in a time where we are, we are more technologically connected than ever before. And yet so many of us feel that ache of like, where do I belong? Who do I belong to? Why doesn't it feel like the parts fit at times? And so I, I validate your feelings of loneliness. And I also know it's a myth. It's a myth that many of us are living out when our innate way of being is one of connection, is one of community. Whether you're an introvert or not, don't give me that introvert stuff. You can charge up your energy alone, but you are a communal being still through understanding and disclosing how you feel and your needs through boundaries, through somatic and nervous system awareness. You, t- you, dear introvert, can be a communal being too. Okay, that's an aside. We are all connected. You know this, right? We are all connected. This feels like some sort of cliche platitude. We are all connected. Through the air we breathe, through the bees buzzing, through the roots of the trees, through the weather patterns, through the moon, through the tides through the way we treat each other. We all have one common ancestor. Us homo sapiens. So homo sapiens have been around for 200,000 years, roughly human beings. And we all descend from, and we can just put religion aside for a second. We are all descended from the mitochondrial Eve, the first mother, an African woman. That is the root of humanity. And before that, what led to that, right? What led to that? Other beings, soil and microbes and fungi and stone. What before that? Stardust. I can get real meta real quick. But that is what I speak to when I speak of lineage. I want us to think farther back than like genealogical records. Although I will touch upon the fact that that can be important and also a privilege, but we are connected to each other. And if you really take a look at how the universe and space works, it's wild that we are all here right now. And that the microclimate and gravity and oxygen I'll make it so we can be here. 
we are all connected. So to connect to lineage can mean so many things. So when I talk about ancestor connection, ancestor worship, and I I talk about these terms, I know it's loaded. I know it's loaded because we all have different meaning. We attach to those words. And I honor that. I'm not going to tell you what it means for you. But what I want to help you do is expand your definition so that you can invite in what is there for you to heal, and to expand yourself. So yes, lineage, us humans, I touched upon the history of Homo sapiens and the mitochondrial Eve. But there are other ways to look at lineage, who and what we come from. I did say the more than human ancestors, right? For many folks, it doesn't feel resonant to talk about the human beings they're descended from. It feels far more resonant to talk about trees and stones and stardust. And I'm, and I can't say, well, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense because it makes sense. Scientifically, it makes sense. So I want to put that out there first and foremost for, for folks listening who, really struggle with feeling a deep connection to human ancestry for whatever reason. And then there's this term affinity ancestors, and it's a really, really important one. I talked about it in my book in the lineage section of Root and Ritual, and I have gotten more responses and DMs about affinity ancestors than anything else. So what are affinity ancestors? They are those who share your vocation, a cultural identity, a way of teaching, or other connection. You could feel a kinship with other writers if you are one yourself. If you're queer and want to connect to all who identified as LGBTQIA plus throughout human history, or perhaps through spiritual practice, you feel a tangible connection to and those who practice it, that could be affinity. I remember I was doing an, an, a YouTube interview for my virtual book tour with uh, someone who feels a deep connection to their queer ancestors. They use the term mighty dead, who said that on their ancestor altar, they put a brick. And that is to remind them of the Stonewall riots. That is a pivotal moment in history for queer liberation. And they have no like blood connection to the folks who participated in that uprising. And yet there's an affinity ancestor connection there. I thought that was beautiful and important. There are those of us who have been adopted into certain lineages, um, spiritual, or feel a deep sense of community and kinship with folks, with paths, with vocations. And that's important too. So I'm going to talk about a lot of blood ancestry, and there is also the web of connection that we weave outside of that chosen family that is just as valuable and important here. And adoption, adoption is the thing. And I honor that. And that can sometimes bring up a feeling of unbelongingness, undeserving when it comes to ancestry connection. And some adoptees have knowledge of their blood lineage. Some don't. Some have no interest in it. 
And so I invite you by the fire as well and say it is your birthright to connect to who and what you come from. And for some folks, it feels deeply unsafe to connect with ancestors who are unwell or perpetuated deep trauma. And to you, I say, oh, the boundaries you put in place here are so sacred and important. And it's okay to to hop over a few generations. It's okay to hop over a lot of generations because the nameless, faceless ones came and you don't need to know their names or their stories to be able to connect and honor them. Because what's the number? I had to do research for my book. Over the past 750 years alone, remember, Homo sapiens have been around for 200,000 years. For the past 750 years, each of us has 1 billion ancestors. 750 years, 1 billion ancestors. And you can just see how that works. You see one person born of two people. And then each of those people were born of two people. And then all those people were born of two people. And you can't see what I'm doing with my hands, but can you just see the web I'm building with my voice of how it just expands out and out and out and out? One billion ancestors over past 750 years. So there's a lot of stories in there. And we don't know 99% of them. So... I really honor and take very seriously feelings of wanting to keep a boundary around unwell ancestors, living or dead. And it is still your birthright to connect with the well ones, the bright and well ones, the ones who come in a good way and the ones that can support you in whatever way that looks. So my story around connecting to my ancestors is that I grew up, I live in the United States. I grew up in a little bit on the East Coast, a little bit on the West Coast, suburban, 80s, 90s kid. And I really felt like a cultureless white girl. I identify as white. All my ancestors are from Europe and from Northwestern Europe. And I really felt the severing, the severing from the lands my ancestors called home uh, and a real like fetishizing of, of quote exoticness. It's kind of cringy to say and very true out of my own lack of feeling belonging and connection to who and what I came from. And it took a lot of digging and I, I share, I mean, if you've been following me for a while, you know, I shared, I shared a lot of the story I've shared on the podcast. You can go back and listen in blog posts, you can search my blog posts and read about it, going on ancestral pilgrimage to Ireland and England and Scotland, um, doing the DNA test, finding my mitochondrial Eve, the clan mother of my my genetic line, some cool stuff. I also talk about it in the book, my book, Root and Ritual, a lot. But what has been important for me is the is shaking up the the amnesia of whiteness that Lila June, uh, Danae, indigenous woman who has European ancestry, talks about. I interviewed her, a link to her episode in the show notes about honoring uh, her white ancestors as a Danae woman and her real recognition 
that a lot of what has happened in the settling and colonizing of Turtle Island of North America came from a place of of those ancestors being kicked out, uh, experiencing war, famine, their undoing um, of communal ways by Christian patriarchy and empire dominance. So I have been on a journey of connecting with both the bright and well ones and with healing and acknowledging and grieving the ones who perpetuated harm. And I got some doozies in my lineage. I mean, Salem witch trial presiding judge, one of my ancestors, uh, original settler colonizers of what is now known as New Hampshire and Maine did genocide to the indigenous people there. I have been sitting with that and continue to have practices around that acknowledgement and that shame and that grief. And also searching out the stories that maybe aren't written or aren't recorded either because they were the women's stories or they were, they were the stories of the folks who didn't have the access to uh, reading or writing or recording or their stories were erased or burned. Remembering all of that. Because ultimately, this is fuel for being a better ancestor, walking in a good way. Because I and you are ancestors too. That's right. Ancestor work is also self-work. Because in whole time, mythic time, we are existing as ancestors right now and our descendants, whether they're by blood or by legacy, influence, communal um, connection by our bodies of work, we have descendants. They're sitting around the fire telling our stories and I have no idea how their world looks. I hope we did something about climate change, but they are telling our stories of the times we are living now. And if that isn't the fuel to walk in a better way, I don't know what is. So ways to connect with your lineage. I always say, yes, you can take the DNA test. Get those uh, responses with a grain of salt. I have found that since I took my test eight years ago, the results have changed as the sample size has grown. Uh, and it's definitely skewed heavily towards folks, white folks, because that's m- the majority of the sample size. Um, so not everyone can get clarity out of it. And also people, folks who have a real connection to a nationality or a bloodline and then get different results, it can feel unsafe for them. It can be unsafe for them. So I felt, I felt really excited by my results. And I know that it's not the only thing to attach to around who my people are, particularly because this whole idea of borders and nationalities, you know, like being Scottish, being Italian, uh, that's relatively new in human history, right? A lot of those borders were drawn like 100 years ago or less. So this attachment to national identity, I really have an issue with because what I want to know is like, the hills my ancestors are buried under and the waters they drank from and 
the valleys they took refuge from the storm in and the fields they planted their vegetables in. That's how many of our ancestors knew the lands they were from. And so when we attach to a cultural identity, like I'm a Piastrelli, that's because I married an Italian man who had that last name and I took it on. I'm still contending with that choice. Uh, and so that his whole family identity from his father's side is is like Italian. We are Italian. And then he took the DNA test and turns out not so Italian, Balkan. And that gave us this understanding of the migratory patterns of humans that they must have come from the Balkans and had a, had a time or two, a few generations in Italy before continuing and actually seeking asylum in the United States. So that was a really powerful thing for us because I, you know, whenever I say my last name, people go, Italian, nice Italian name. And I'm like, well, let me tell you a story <laughs> about my husband's people. These stories matter. The stories are where the magic is. So yes, you can also sign up for Ancestry.com and look at your genealogy. And it is amazing what you can find there. And also not everyone can find themselves in that for many reasons, including the history of slavery, the history of erasure, of people, documents being in climates where massive storms uh, wiped out everything, uh, ability to read and write and record. And if you have access, I say dive in, dive in. Um, but the lands, the lands is what I, I found has been so connective to me to look at maps and topographies of these town names that I learned in Scotland and to see like, oh, it's not quite highlands, but oh, these lowlands. Oh, what's where would their water have come from? Would they have been fishermen or would they have been cattle ranchers? And then if you can go, if you can go to these lands. I remember I went to Ireland and I got off the plane. I was so jet lagged and I went to a sacred site called Hill of Tara and I just saw hawthorn trees ringed by nettle and I just laid down next to them and cried. Not many words there, but lots of ancestral tinglings. I remember we were in Scotland and we saw Highland cows, these like, you know, thick, thick furred cattle on the side of the road. And we just pulled over and sat next to them. And I cried there too. That's, that's how I know. That's how I know I get a tingling. But I also pull up YouTube and look up like Scottish drummers. And there's this one video. They're like men in kilts, just like busking in Edinburgh, sobbing. Just feels so deep. Feels so deep for me. So to connect to and honor lineage is a practice of remembering your own belonging. It's a way of stimulating and activating the parts of ourselves that have maybe gone dormant and believe the myths of loneliness, believe the myths of this whiteness that a lot of us are under, whether we identify as white or not, it permeates the culture and creates this invariable experience of life that eliminates our culture, eliminates our tradition, eliminates our connection to the earth, our spiritual ways, our earth honoring ways, 
are ways that are not tied up in like cis heteropatriarchal capitalist ways. Those terms, if you're like, oh, I hear that so much, what does it mean? I mean, like, you have to be a certain way that is influenced by male dominated, queer phobic, work hard. That's the only way you can make it in life. And certainly don't be a seasonal cyclical being culture. That rips us away from who and what we come from, including the stars, including the trees, including the mushrooms, including the mighty dead. And if we don't know our stories, we can ask them to be told to us. Build an ancestor altar, cook the foods of your ancestors, whether it's like your grandmother's, I don't know, cornbread, or, you know, you look up Irish soda bread or Spanish paella online, cook it. Listen to the music before you go to sleep. Ask them to come in your dreams. This is not of the Western mind. This is connecting to something deeper. And if it takes you out of trust that comes through, play with what comes through. Because we are all connected and we come from something so much deeper than just the stories of the last hundred years, which have been hard. I remember when COVID hit and a lot of us didn't know a lot about what was going on. It was kind of scary. I was pregnant and feeling a lot, feeling scared, feeling angry, feeling confused. And I tuned into my ancestors who lived through the Spanish flu. I tuned into my ancestors that lived through the plague that literally survived it so that I'm here today. How many more examples of that do I not know? I even went online and I looked up photos from the Spanish flu and I printed them out and put them on my altar. These women of hardy stock with these interesting looking cloth masks over their faces. There was even one where where she had put one over her chicken and her cat. And I looked at them and I, I talked to them. These were not ancestors of mine, but these were ancestors. And I said, hey, I'm an, I could use some resilience because I feel untethered. I feel scared. I am creating life right now. And I don't know what kind of a world I'm creating life in. I don't know what is going on with this sickness. I don't know what's going to happen. This is so interesting to talk about like two and a half years later. I'm just tuning in. I was really scared. And I was really scared. And I asked them to share with me their wisdom and their energy of resilience of the part of them that knew I was going to get through it and meet, rise to meet each new challenge because that, that, what is that if that is not motherhood? And I remember I was on like a mother's day call with this like local community of mothers. And I shared that on the community call and people were just floored. Like you can do that. I was like, yeah, I guess so. I do it. And a bunch of them did it. So there's an example of the ways we can call upon what our ancestors have already been through. 
And I talk about it in my book, and I also talk about it in my Tending the Flame Home practice, this concept of mythic time. This is one term that can talk about life outside of linear time. And I think it helps me remember that time doesn't always have to be perceived as linear because that can be very panicky, panic inducing, right? Like, oh my gosh, death is coming. Time is passing. I feel this when I look at my kids. So I'm obviously like dancing with linear time. And we have to in many ways because our culture subscribes to it and we have to survive this culture. But many of the world's ancient languages are considered tenseless. Like, so here's an example. Events that took place in the past are communicated and understood as occurring in the historical now. So instead of saying, a long time ago, our people moved because of the famine, it might be phrased as, a long time ago, our people are moving because of the famine. So in this realm of mythic time, it's a lot easier for me to access the wisdom and healing needed to connect with all those that came before me. So in that example of calling upon ancestors who had lived through the Spanish flu, had lived through plague, I was calling upon their energy then in the historical now. And to remember that many indigenous languages, and I said ancient, but I also mean indigenous language that is still around today that has been kept that has been prevented from total annihilation, speak in this way. So think about it. That's what we are descended from. We are descended from a way of speaking that honors all beings at all moments in the now. So that helps me call upon my wise ancestors for support when life gets hard or when I want to run away or when I believe the myth that I am alone. That's an important tool, and I feel really passionate about it. And I also feel really passionate about ancestor connection work not being relegated to religion exclusively and not being relegated to this sort of like uh, exclusive woo culture that doesn't allow for like the various expressions and very real realities so many of us have. I sometimes like scroll the ancestor, sacred, feminine, divine goddess culture, like hashtags on Instagram. And there's a lot of great stuff out there. I'm not going to like crap talk at all, but I feel like you have to go deeper than just like calling upon your ancestors to guide you. It's like, okay, let's look to the ways we can feed them. My teacher, grandmother, Sarah McLean Bicknell talks about feeding your ancestors, putting a plate out for them every night of food, when you eat dinner to make an extra plate, to make offerings to them. This is an act of reciprocity, to believe that this is an animist way of being, to see and feel them all around you, just as you can see and feel the aliveness of a tree or a flower or a home. It takes time. It takes time to cultivate this awareness in ourselves, but it is a true remembering. And I believe it will serve us well in these times of isolation and loneliness and fuels our very real calling to revillage and cultivate ancestral ways of being to meet these modern times. So I mentioned I talk about lineage in my book, Plug Plug. I also mentioned my home practice. It's called Tending the Flame. And I started offering it earlier this year. 
and I divide it into four home practices. It's 28 days and it's like email based. And so you commit to 28 days of a practice that comes. I think it's every like two days or three days. You get a practice emailed to you and it all goes in order to build upon the next so that these concepts I'm talking about can just go from the head because I hear you right now. You're listening to me with your head, but how are you going to take these concepts and these these rituals and these activities and these ideas I have and integrate them into your soma, integrate them into your cells, your blood, your bones, activate that remembrance so that you are living your life in a different way. Because a lot of what this is, is we're frustrated with the way we're living our life in some way. It isn't in true integrity with the world we want to create, but how the F do we take? We're so busy. We've got the scrolling and the bing, bing, ding, ding, ding. How do we integrate what we read about? I don't know about you, but I'm always reading about these really interesting, fascinating Uh, stimulating, activating ways of being. And then I'm just like scrolling and it's like, how do we integrate it? So that's what I wanted to do. I I didn't just want to write a book. I wanted to shift our ways of being. So the tending the flame home practice is to give you a little practice every few days to slowly shift the way you are in life. And so I have one for lineage, which is all about Rituals and practices to reweave the threads of connection you have to all that came before you, whether you want to explore near relatives, far ancestors, or more than human beings you feel a connection to. And we do things like create our own ancestral artifact. We step more into mythic time. We do smoke cleansing. We write to our ancestors. We do dream work. We build altars. It's really beautiful. And guess what? I want to do it live. I want to do it with you. So if you go to tendingtheflamepractice.com, you'll see all about it. Uh, And if you're not listening to this in real time, totally join the home practice. It's so fun. But if you are listening to this before October 31st, 2022, join me. We're going to do the home practice together beginning on October 31st. And we'll do four live calls. So each week I will do a live call where I'll answer questions. We'll explore everyone's stories and we'll do stuff together, including an ancestral food potluck, which will be incredible. I'm so excited. That's like one of my favorite things to do. Uh, So it's ancestor season. Let's dive into this together. I know I'm really, I have gotten out of the practice of leaving out a spirit plate. I have got out of the practice of speaking to my ancestors. I have been focused on other things and the trees are exhaling and the tomatoes are falling off the vine and rotting in the soil and the pumpkins are happening and I'm remembering, oh, the veil is thinning. This concept of the veil being thin, the veil between the world of the living and the dead. And it is said on Samhain or October, the veil is pierced and the wild hunt comes. And that is the origin of trick-or-treating and jack-o'-lanterns and wearing costumes and masks. And if you go to episode 41 of the Belonging Podcast, I tell you about that. It's called The Season of Samhain. It looks like Samhain. It's pronounced Samhain. And The Wild Hunt. The Season of Samhain and The Wild Hunt. We'll link to that in the show notes too. 
But yes, I am reminded. The earth is reminding me in its great exhale, in its descent towards the root, in my reminder to drink more broths and root teas, that it's time to think about and honor the ancestors. And remember, I am one myself. So hit up tendingtheflamepractice.com. There'll also be a link in the show notes and join us. I think it'll be a really special class. And I think I'll be doing these more often. Uh, We have three other home practices, land, community, and self that I'll be doing seasonally in 2023 because uh, I wanted to make this offering, this home practice offering, so you could do it at any time. And I love that that's there. And I think there's something really powerful about doing it in a container with other folks. I think it keeps you accountable. I think it is inspiring and I think it feeds that sense of we are connected in a deeper way. And we can witness and hear each other's stories, which is the ancestors speaking through us, to us, us with them. It's going to be so great. So tendingtheflamepractice.com. Thank you for listening to this episode. I honor all that you come from and all that is descended from you in this spiral of mythic time. And I send you love. Thank you so much for joining me in a time when our attention is being pulled in so many different directions. It means a lot that you took time out of your day to spend it with me and in these important conversations for show notes and links and more information about my guests. You can head to belongingpodcast.com. And if you'd like to hear more from me and get access to my free newsletter called Slow and Seasonal, you can head to beccapiastrelli.com slash subscribe.